Blog Talk Radio. Sixers Report with your host, Jeff McMiniman and Michael Kasky Blomain. It finally happened. The third time was a charm. Dikembe Mutombo was right. And the Sixers finally came away with the number one pick in the NBA draft lottery last night. Jeff McMiniman here, joined as always by ESPN Sixers Insider for 97.3 FM. Michael Kasky Blomain. Uh, we're now on iTunes, so make sure to check us out and rate us on there. And uh, as always, you can also follow us on the app Stitcher and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. And Mike, uh, you know, as the Celtics and Lakers names were called uh, back to back there leading up to uh, the number one pick, it was one of the greatest feelings personally that I felt as a, a Sixers fan in my entire lifetime probably right up there with, uh, you know, the Sixers win over the Lakers in that game one of the 2001 NBA Finals, uh, that Fishtown iced tea that I was drinking at the time, especially held with my jubilation. Um, Mike, where does that moment rank for you, and uh, are you relieved with the outcome? Oh, man, it was it was a great moment for uh, just for the whole Sixers community in general. And that moment, you know, it's going to rank really high on my list, mainly just because, it's, you know, it's the culmination of three years of, of struggle for not just the team, but the fan base, you know, and such a large portion of the fan base has been, you know, so loyal and supportive of the team, despite the, you know, the national kind of narrative, uh, you know, against the team and against Sam Hickey. And, uh, you know, when, uh, when that card got pulled yesterday that said the Lakers were going to get the second pick, that it just felt like, you know, a relief and, and excitement and, you know, like vindication all, all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to start off the show by, uh, you know, saying this wouldn't be possible if it weren't for Sam Hinkie and, you know, thanking him for that moment last night. Uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if we truly are in kind of a Sixers fan bubble here where our opinion's kind of the little guy in this big city. I mean, through all of the sports radio takes and articles that we both had to listen to and kind of gouge our eyes out reading for the past couple months since uh, Hinky's departure, I can't help but feel this way. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, well, what has Sam Hinky done for you? Uh, three seasons of losses? Uh, well, what's innovative about his plan, tanking for stars, uh, that, you know, this system's been around for decades. Or, you know, look at the Clippers and what they did in years past. You know, tanking a bunch of seasons and an attempt to build a contender, and look what happened there. Um, I mean, I just don't get it. 
a lot of these rants, you know, fail to mention the city the Sixers were in when, when Hinky came in, you know, how Hinky traded for Drew Holiday, uh, you know, sorry, traded Drew Holiday for Nerlens Noel, you know, weeks into the job, how he, you know, kind of fleeced the magic in that Dario Sarge trade, how he set up the Sixers in a, you know, great position for next year's draft, the pick swap with the Kings, uh, you know, the top five pick possibility with uh, the Lakers pick. Um, you know, it, it's just mind-blowing that people can't say, uh, you know, oh, the, the Sixers are in such a great position now that Tim Hinkie's gone, and, uh, you know, that's the, the main reason why they got the number one pick. But, you know, he's the reason why they got him there. How has anything changed? What has, you know, Brian Colangelo done except sit on his ass, maybe said a few things to the media, uh, given fans headaches about, you know, the amount of vague quotes that, you know, we've all read in the past couple of months. I mean, it's infuriating, it's unfounded, and frankly, it's kind of insulting. But, you know, Mike, I'm I'm kind of done here. What are your thoughts on this, you know, before we move on to, to last night and everything that happened? Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely frustrating to read, you know, and hear some of the the takes on the team from, you know, some of the, the voices in, you know, both the local and the national media. I mean, you, you really would think that anyone that understands basketball and the NBA in general has to, you know, you don't have to agree with every single move that Sam Hinkie made. I don't know, you know, there's, there's certain moves or certain things that he did that you could point the finger at, but there's no way honestly that you if you know if you really understand the NBA and the game of basketball there's no way you could look at the job that Sam Hinkie has done and the the position that the team is in now and and condemn everything that he's done and say that you know it was a waste and it was terrible and I you know the most frustrating part I think is that so many of the the people that are detractors from the the quote-unquote process and from Sam Hinkie cite the fans as, you know, their argument as though, like, you know, look what he put the fans through when, you know, uh, such a huge portion of the fan base is, has been, you know, completely understanding, supportive, and on board with, you know, with what has been done over the past few years. And like you said, it's not like all of a sudden now it's some magic switches has been flipped because uh, the Colangelos are here. This was all going to happen this summer anyway. Like, Joel Embiid's health, he's not healthy suddenly because Sam Hinkie's not around anymore. Like the ping pong walls didn't bounce differently because Sam Hinkie's no longer on, Like this was all going to happen anyway. And it's, I guess it's just a little bit frustrating that it had to come to the, the point that, you know, Sam Hinkie's not even here to capitalize on all of the, you know, the fruits of his labor that are starting to finally come to fruition. I mean, this summer, if Sarich and Embiid both come and we get, you know, Simmons or Ingram, and all this cap space for free agency and, you know, all of a sudden all these, you know, articles are going to be popping up about how the Sixers are in such great shape and how this and that. And, you know, it is definitely a little frustrating that it had to get to the point that, you know, Sam Hinkie, the one who obviously laid the groundwork for all of this, isn't really around to reap the benefits of his own labor. But, uh, you know, you have to think that he was somewhere last night, at least, you know, cracking a smile when, when he saw that, that uh, you know, that, that first pick was coming to Philadelphia. Yeah, and I, I mean, what a guy like like Brett Brown to finally get that moment of just pure joy. You know, it, he's been through as much as we've been through this whole time, and it, it hasn't been pretty at times. You know, he's he's had to struggle through a lot. You know, all those those different losing streaks, all those just 
you know, losses after losses and, you know, to finally get what feels like, you know, almost like winning a playoff series. That was the amount of energy that, that kind of came throughout the fan base last night. I mean, it, it's just been, been awesome for Brett. Um, so I'm you know, really happy there. But, yeah, it's just weird living in Philadelphia where, you know, everyone's kind of wrapped up in the Eagles, the Phillies, the Flyers, and the Sixers have been so bad for so long. It just seems like, you know, all these people who are kind of now trying to jump back on the bandwagon just have no idea what they're talking about. And, you know, they latch on to, oh, well, what does he do? You know, he just lost games for three years. And it's just, it's mind-boggling. But, I mean, how happy were you for Brett at the end of the day and and seeing him up on stage? Oh, yeah, I mean, that was a great moment for him after, you know, what what he's honestly been put through by the organization having to, you know, be be like the the face of tanking basically for the past three years and him having to be the guy that answered for a lot of the moves and a lot of the things that were going on with the organization uh, and and the difficult circumstances he was placed under you know starting your coaching career with a you know I don't I don't know his overall record off the top of my head but it's bad <laughs> you know obviously after the past <laughs> few years to, to you know to start off your coaching career with you know in such a hole as far as win loss record. You know, and it's just, it's, yeah, he's such, he's been so positive, uh, you know, supportive throughout the whole thing. He's, you know, very rarely had anything negative to say. He brings, you know, energy and enthusiasm to a job that I think a lot of people would have given up on a while ago. Um, you know, so the, the fact that, you know, he'll get to see it through with some real talent uh, that he'll get to work with and mold, it, it just seems really fitting. And the fact that he was the guy there that, you know, represented the, the organization, I, I initially thought that they were going to send Iverson because I feel like, you know, at this point, Iverson is just like the, the organization's generic, like, oh, we'll send him out to appease the fan base guy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, once once I, I realized it was announced that it was going to be Brett Brown, uh, you know, there really wasn't a better a better selection that could have been there to represent the team. So, uh, you know, I was obviously extremely happy for him. And, you know, he's excited because now he has, uh, you know, more talent to work with going forward. And, you know, unfortunately we can't even go a day of, uh, you know, letting this happiness settle in without a report coming out. Uh, this time by Kevin Ding of Bleacher Report saying that league sources have told him that uh, the Sixers are heavily leaning towards taking Ben Simmons with the number one pick and that the Lakers were, in a sense, blown away by Brandon Ingram at the uh, number two pick for the NBA draft. I mean, we talked a little bit about this this morning, just how kind of skeptical we were of the report initially, especially timing-wise. What can you say about this uh, now that you've had some, you know, time to think about it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, any report really that comes out between, you know, today and the the NBA draft a month from now, you, you obviously have to take with a grain of salt. There's, got, you know, there's going to be a lot of different sources and information and conflicting reports coming out. Uh, you know, it was it was kind of, you know, funny that this came out so quickly after um, the NBA the lottery occurred. And, you know, you obviously have to keep in mind that Kevin Ding was, uh, you know, he's he's an NBA writer at large now, but he was, you know, he's based in Los Angeles and, he you know, he has ties to the Lakers who obviously have that second pick. 
so you don't know, you know, who his sources are exactly. Uh, you know, ironically enough, uh, from, you know, team source, Sixers team sources that I, I was talking to after the NBA draft combine, I was actually told that the Sixers were, uh, you know, really high on Brandon Ing- uh, Ingram after they, they got the opportunity to talk with him a little bit at the uh, at the NBA draft combine in Chicago. Um, you know, Simmons obviously wasn't there, didn't participate in the interview, so the team hasn't had the opportunity to sit down with him yet. But, uh, you know, I was told that they were really high on um, Ingram and that they were impressed with his, you know, his sit-down with the team and his just overall basketball IQ and demeanor, uh, you know, in addition to his on-court skill set, which seems as though, you know, it might match the Sixers a little bit better even at this point. But, uh, you know, at the same time, Simmons is a, a, a guy with a, you know, crazy high ceiling. So either way, you know, you don't know where it's going to go, but you just have to take these reports, I think, with a grain of salt until really you hear the words out of out of Adam Silver's mouth because there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, a lot of motivation and different reasoning behind reports that get leaked leading up to the draft, you know, with agents and team, uh, you know, team sponsors getting involved and whatnot. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, you, you take every report with a grain of salt. Um, you know, unless it's like a week away from the draft and – really had this this whole month to to kind of dig into the different prospects, you know, bring them in for a workout and, you know, really evaluate who they are as a player and how they'll fit your system and, you know, even go back and maybe, you know, get their, their character assessment, talking to, you know, their old high school coaches, college coaches, friends, you know, everything. I feel like they pull all stops these days in evaluating players, and I I don't think that the day after the lottery is the day that, you know, any team that you take seriously would say, oh, I'm leaning, leaning heavily towards this guy, you know. They're, they're the guy I'm going to take. Uh, I just don't think it happens that way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, you take it with a grain of salt, you move on. There's going to be plenty more where that comes from. But, I, I mean, it is interesting. Uh, you know, the, along with that, there was another kind of report that said just kind of how, you know, Simmons didn't sign a shoe deal yet because if he goes to L.A., he can make more money on one. So, you know, he's kind of holding out on that. There's another rumor that maybe he won't show his medical records to the Sixers in order to, you know, get pushed down to two of the Lakers. And, like, I feel like we already discussed this a bit in past shows but how important is it to you in a team's draft process and examining, you know, certain red flags, red flags such as this? I mean, I think we specifically talked about if a player were to, you know, blow out a blow off a workout. But how much merit would you give to, you know, these recent Simmons comments? You know, I would give a little bit of merit. Uh, you know, when it comes down to it, whoever the team wants to pick, that's that's who they're going to pick. Uh, you know, there's been reports, like you said, of players in the past not wanting to come to the Sixers and this and that. But, uh, you know, if if a team is set on drafting a player, in the end, the player has no say. And it's not like, you know, someone's going to come to the Sixers and purposely play bad or something like that because that's, you know, obviously not a good look for their the rest of their career going forward. But with that being said, I do think it's a little bit important, you know, especially in drafting first overall with a guy that could potentially be, you know, the the building block and the focal point of the franchise going forward for the next X number of years. 
that the guy is, you know, wants to be here at least and is motivated by, you know, just being a good player and helping himself and the team get better and not necessarily having ulterior motives, uh, you know, which I'm not saying that Simmons has. Obviously, I've never spoken a word to him. I don't know, uh, you know, his his thoughts and going by the reports. Uh, you know, I think pretty much every player, uh, you know, or a lot of players at this age right now, given the choice, would want to go to the Lakers, uh, you know, just coming up, growing up, watching, you know, Kobe and Shaq and the, the Showtime Lakers and the success that that organization has had, not to mention the, the location of it. I think players in general would favor, you know, Los Angeles over Philadelphia, so I don't necessarily think it's a shock that, you know, a report would come out that a player would prefer to go there. But I, I do think it's definitely something that the team should, you know, at least follow up on, uh, especially considering the stakes of, you know, where they're picking and the impact that it has on the future going forward. Once again, this is the state of, or sorry, 76ers report. I'm your host, Jeff McBenman, alongside Michael Kasky Blomain. And uh, so the Sixers, sorry, the Celtics came away with the number three pick from Brooklyn. The Suns got number four. Uh, both teams also have picks in the middle of the first round. Do you see both of these teams as kind of potential buyers in either a Okafor or a Noel trade in the months leading up to the draft here? Yeah, you know, it's definitely something that I think will be explored in depth. Uh, the Celtics, particularly considering the reports that came out earlier, um, you know, about them being interested in, in a potential Okafor trade, uh, you know, especially if the Sixers are leaning towards Simmons or eventually end up picking Simmons, I think that uh, makes it even more of a, you know, realistic possibility that one of the, these forwards that are currently on the team will have to get shipped out sooner than later, uh, you know, just to even out the roster and get some shooting and floor spacing in return rather than, you know, a, a stockpile of forwards. But, um, you know, it, it really depends on, you know, I think who, you know, who they end up taking in in the draft. Assuming it's Simmons, though, uh, you know, I think Okafor will be the most likely to go considering that he's still under contract at a pretty decent rate for a, you know, team contract for three more years and he's still young with a lot of potential. So, you know, assuming that, that Simmons or he is the guy that they're looking at, I think uh, an Okafor trade on draft night is a high possibility. You know, even the Lakers are a team that, you know, there's a lot of speculation about a potential trade, but, you know, you could look at that now with they have both, the number two pick and D'Angelo Russell, um, you know, looking to them for maybe if you would offer them Okafor and their own pick, their own, you know, the lottery pick that's coming to the Sixers, uh, you know, offer that package to the Lakers in exchange for the number two pick or for, you know, D'Angelo Russell to kind of get a, a, the, that point guard of the future out of the way. You know, the, the Sixers land on the number one pick has just opened up so many options for the team, you know, really. And I don't see them trading the number one pick itself. I think that's just too valuable at this point to, you know, even bother shopping. But, you know, any anything else I think is really uh, on the table. Uh, you know, MBE decide, I don't think that, you know, he'll go anywhere for, for a multitude of reasons. But, you know, either, you know, Okafor and OL and basically anybody else, you know, currently under the Sixers' control, I, I would not be shocked if he moved, uh, you know, as early as draft day. Yeah, and Brian Colangelo kind of took his words back from other weeks saying, you know, he doesn't see any reason why he would move, you know, the pick at this point, and I guess unless he's floored by an offer. Um, but, you know, he, and at least that Scott 
Cooper report, I think, on NBA.com, it was a little bit different, uh, his his tone uh, in terms of, you know, being more open about moving that pick. Um, but, I mean, when, when you're talking about Okafor potentially being a, a trade partner in the, you know, Celtics deal or maybe a Suns deal, um, you know, do you think that Okafor – if a team is looking for a big man and, uh, you know, obviously Ingram and, and Simmons are likely off the board, do you think that Okafor would be, you know, the best available big man, uh, you know, compared to what's available in the draft at that point? I mean, I think Dragon Bender will will be there. Um, you know, you can make a, a case for him as, as being a potential superstar in the league. But do you think that, the Celtics or Suns would value Okafor higher than, you know, who's available in the draft. Yeah, I think you would have to, especially considering, like you said, there, this draft particularly seems to be pretty shallow. Um, there seems to be a pretty big drop-off after, you know, the top two picks in Ben Simmons and, and Brandon Ingram. Um, you know, after that, especially as, as far as big guys go, uh, you know, if, if a team's looking to add, um, you know, some, some serious size and low post presence. There's really not a lot of guys that are projected to be, you know, as good or better than Okafor coming out of this draft. A lot of the, uh, you know, the best players in the draft behind Simmons and Ingram are, you know, guard-type players like, you know, your buddy Heald, Chris Dunn, um, you know, Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray. Bender's really the only one, as you mentioned, that's, uh, you know, projected in the in the top ten really <clears throat> as – you know, uh, you know, a big, a power forward type player, uh, seven footer. So considering that, that thing considered, and the fact that Okafor, you know, I mean, the Sixers fans were, you know, overly exposed to Okafor, I think, and we saw a lot of, you know, considering how rough the team was, he didn't necessarily always get the opportunity to maybe play up to his potential or look as good as he could have. But I mean, he's still a 20 year old kid. He should have been a sophomore in college. He put up you know, nearly 20 and 10 numbers uh, on a nightly basis, pretty much at will. I mean, he certainly has his fair share of flaws and things that he needs to work on. But, you know, there's a lot there for, you know, a very young uh, player with a lot of potential. So, you know, I would say that he's still valued pretty highly uh, around the league, especially considering the fact that if a team was to get him this summer, you would they would get him for three full seasons with a uh, – you know, in, in, in with a very reasonable contract, especially considering the expanding cap this summer. So, you know, I, I do think this is that uh, teams that missed out on the higher, you know, the, the top two picks, but are looking to, you know, really make a splash at the draft or in free agency, like a Boston or like a Phoenix, um, you know, something like that would be, you know, potentially interested in, in Okafor. I mean, how far do you think the Sixers would be willing to go fall, go down, you know, in terms of a draft pick in exchange for Okafor? It's really tough, uh, you know, to pre- predict because, uh, you know, you'd have to assume that any any move involving Okafor probably wouldn't be just straight up, you know, like Okafor for a pick. You would have to assume that there would be something coming back. But, uh, you know, anything within, you know, the top, like, uh, uh, man, uh, maybe like top eight, with, you know, maybe some other provisions going on, I think would be maybe a decent return if it's to the point where you, you really got to move one of these guys in order to just have space and stability 
you know, on the roster. And if you, you know, if you are able to get back into the lottery, uh, you know, within the top 10, there, there's a lot of good promising guard prospects there. Maybe not superstar potential, but guys that could develop into, you know, legit starters or contributors. And, uh, you know, if you have a, a franchise guy already in tow, like Simmons and another potential one in Embiid and then a bunch of, you know, solid caliber players, uh, Noel and Covington and Jeremy Grant, uh, Saric and whoever's added in free agency. I think, uh, you know, moving a guy like Okafor to get back into the lottery and add, uh, you know, some guard play and perimeter play really, it, it might be a, you know, a decent play for the team. And obviously we, we've talked in depth about, you know, some of the guards at the top of the draft. We talked about but he healed as, as being, you know, a shooting guard that we'd be interested in, in getting, you know, Chris Dunn as a point guard. Jamal Murray's kind of like, you know, a combo guard a little bit, um, great scorer. Jalen Brown is, is another guy who, you know, has, has a nice scoring touch, can shoot a little bit from the outside. Um, so, I, I mean, are you excited at the fact that, you know, now the Sixers have this possibility where maybe they can package Okafor, they can package, you know, a later pick for, you know, a promising young guard can really add, you know, a new dimension to this team that we haven't really seen in the past couple of seasons. Yeah, I think that would be an ideal situation. And, you know, they, even with the two, uh, the 24th and the 26th picks, you could look at packaging them two together with, you know, either by themselves or one with, with an Okafor to really move up and get a guy like a, you know, a Buddy Heald or a Chris Dunn or, or you know, or Jamal Murray that, that, like you said, would be another uh, dimension on the team that is something, you know, addresses an area that they don't currently have. Uh, a lot of people projected, you know, predicted that if they were, ended up with that Lakers pick somewhere in the four or five range, they would use it on a, on a guard like a Dunn or, or a Heald or a Murray, uh, and that, that was a pretty good situation considering, you know, if you get a, a top franchise talent like a, an Ingram or a Simmons at the beginning and couple that with a young guard, basically the team has, you know, all the, the positions or all the areas that you would need to address at that point, and then they can go forward filling in through free agency and future drafts. And, uh, you know, do you think – I know you mentioned it earlier, but do you think the Lakers – would be willing to part with D'Angelo Russell in order to move up to number one, you know, if they were enamored with either Simmons or Ingram. Um, and do you think the, you know, the Sixers would be willing to part with, with Okafor as part of that deal? Or do you think they would stand pat with uh, just a tick swap and uh, D'Angelo Russell? You know, it's really hard to predict that. I don't know exactly how high the Lakers are on D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I do think that Okafor is definitely, you know, tradable to the Sixers. Not that they don't value him, you know, as a player or anything. I just think that all things considered, what they have with the number one pick and the return that they get for him, he's he's certainly the most likely to be shipped. Uh, you know, I definitely think they would give the Lakers a call, especially considering the report that the Lakers were strongly considering trading the pick if it, you know, fell out of the top two and was just, just the number three pick. Uh, you know, if, if they were open to that, you you think that they'd be open to at least consider adding a, a talent like Okafor, especially if they weren't necessarily sold on D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, but Russell really started to play better a little bit toward the end of the year. It seemed like the team, you know, outside of the whole Nick Young, uh, the taking <laughs> incident, strictly on the court, it seemed like he, he kind of started <laughs> to get it together toward toward the end of the year. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think the Lakers front office were kind of high on him in the future as a future piece. But, you know, it's going to be really interesting. There's, you know, a million uh, hypotheticals that we could, you know, talk about going forward. But the main the main point is that the, the Sixers have this flexibility. And like we said, basically, you know, anything is on the table come draft night. They have they have the ammo now uh, and the asset base to really, you know, to move move one of these guys and still have so much already on the table, you know, with with the number one pick in tow and, you know, MB coming back and Sarich coming over. There's just there's a whole lot of assets now in place, which was obviously Sam's, you know, the plan all along. And now with that as it is, there's options. And, you know, there, you know, uh, the Sixers will be pretty popular, my guess, is on draft night. Uh, you know, Brian Colangelo's phone will be ringing, uh, you know, pretty often. Yeah, and, I mean, obviously we've talked about the comparisons. Uh, we've heard the comparisons. You know, Ben Simmons is kind of a poor man's LeBron. He has some Lamar Odom in his game. He has some Magic Johnson in his game. Obviously all high praise. Uh, you know, he's more physically ready for the NBA style of play with, uh, you know, the frame that he has. Brandon Ingram draws more of those Kevin Durant comparisons. You know, he's a big long forward who can stretch the floor. He's quick. He can defend a little better than Simmons at the moment. Uh, I've seen some say that they're they're worried that he's a little too skinny, where shooting can become kind of a one-dimensional part of his game, kind of like you know Richard Lewis was in years past. Uh, but Mike, what do you think? You know, gives one player the edge over the other one in this case, and. Uh, also, what do you think, you know, gives the Sixers the best opportunity to win, you know, now and uh, beyond that? You know, the whole the whole too skinny thing, I really don't buy into too much because I remember the same reports coming out about Kevin Durant when he came out of Texas that, uh, you know, he couldn't bench press 135. He wasn't able to, you know, succeed in the NBA. He wasn't strong enough, and obviously – uh, that didn't turn out to be true. I wouldn't put too much stock into that. Uh, the thing I would look at is, you know, I think Ben Simmons has a little bit of a higher ceiling overall than Brandon Ingram. Not, you know, you and I have both been pretty pro Ingram on the program. I'm not necessarily saying one way or another, but as far as the Sixers, uh, where they're where they are right now, without still really like a shape of a roster, they're not necessarily in position to pass up on like overall talent. And in this situation, it's such a tough decision. It's, you know, I heard someone can like say it before. It's basically, you know, like a one and one A decision. Uh, and that's where a lot yeah. of these reports, the GMs, GMs are out there saying that they'd rather have the number two pick this year in the draft than the number one pick, which, you know, I, I, that particular, you know, that Senate, that's pretty preposterous. I think, of course, you'd rather be <laughs> in control of your own, you know, you'd rather be in control of your own destiny. But I do get what they're saying where in the situation that, like, you know, experts are basically split on these two guys uh, at this point, and it's just tough to, you know, like separate one from another as far as long-term potential. You know, like it's it's easy to point to the skill set of, you know, Ingram and say, well, he can spread the floor and shoot better than Simmons, and then, you know, Simmons can is more of a versatile guy that can do more, like, right away than uh, Ingram. So, you know, I think it, it comes down to the fact that, you can't necessarily go wrong either way. It's just a matter of, I guess, like what the team's long-term view is. Uh, there's a quote from Jerry Colangelo that he would consider using Ben Simmons as a point guard uh, going forward, which, uh, you know, I think would just be interesting if that's how the team is looking to use him, you know, right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's it, both guys at this point, it just seems very, you know, neck and neck as far as who who really could be the better prospect, which, you know, I think why it was just so important that the team got a pick which with in the top two, uh, which they obviously did. And now it's just going to be a matter of, you know, for the next month and five days, just a lot of, you know, back and forth speculation over the merits of, you know, which one is the better fit. And, you know, both of our us at least now are in agreement that that would be, you know, Ingram in, in terms of, you know, just the amount of power forwards and, and centers that we currently have on the roster. It just seems like Ingram would be the better fit there. Uh, he kind of fits that mold where the NBA is kind of moving towards with, you know, being a great outside shooter, something that the Sixers haven't really had. They haven't really had a go-to scorer either. Uh, he kind of fits that mold especially if he can develop into, you know, <laughs> any part of Kevin Durant's game at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I, I went through the list of the top 20 scorers in the NBA this season, and only four of them were – or only three of them were power forwards, I'm sorry. Uh, LeBron James, who I guess you could argue is a small forward but plays more of a power forward uh, – and then you had LaMarcus Aldridge was on that list as well as Kevin Love. Um, so, I mean, when you're talking about bringing in Brandon Ingram, are you, you know, expecting him to be that, that Kevin Durant-like scorer? And if you're bringing in, you know, Ben Simmons, do you think he'll be able to be that go-to scorer um, that can put up LeBron-like numbers because, that's kind of what you need to get from him if you're, you know, drafting him at number one. But, you know, what do you think of, of just how, you know, it seems like it's a very guard and small forward, um, you know, heavy scoring league right now. And do you think that, you know, Simmons would be able to make an impact, uh, you know, just in the scoring department as well as some of his peers at that position? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that Simmons would be able to make an impact offensively. It's just a matter of, at this point, he he doesn't really look as polished on that end as an Ingram does. And I think, you know, especially considering, like, the style of play that's, you know, like, popular throughout the NBA right now as far as the, you know, pace and space, spread the floor, and have the ability to, you know, knock down uh, shots and also be athletic and take the ball to the rim. Ingram really just seems like the, the prototype type player for – you know, that style of play, a, a guy that, you know, if you draft him, you know what position he's going to play and what he can bring to a team, uh, where it seems like Simmons, at least at this point, is a little bit more of an unknown, not necessarily in a bad way, but like you said, it's it's more of, you know, what exact position is he going to play and what exactly is he going to bring to a team, uh, where as opposed to Ingram, where you kind of have a better idea of what his skill set is. But, uh, you know, you have to look going forward. It's, it's, it's obviously difficult to project, like, what these players are going to turn into. But it, it just seems that Simmons has a little bit of a higher ceiling where as far as if his skills, you know, develop at the rate that they're expected to, he'll be able to affect, like, you know, so many areas of the floor that no matter what the style of play is, he'll be effective, kind of like a LeBron James. You know, LeBron th- was able to thrive you know, a decade ago, basically, when the pace of the game was a little bit more slow, a little bit more half-court traditional basketball. And, you know, that's when he was playing more, you know, he was a small forward, even occasionally 
there was nights where you played two for some minutes, and now with the style of play changing and the league getting smaller, he's you know been able to shift and play a lot more power forward and still be successful. Uh, so you know if, if Simmons has a you know a skill set even somewhat comparable to LeBron's, then his versatility should be able to allow him to thrive. You know no matter what the you know the particular style of offense that the team is running. And uh, some more Sixers news that, that came out today. Uh, Joel, Joel Embiid told Yahoo Sports, uh, as well as on his Twitter account last night, that uh, he'll be ready to play at the start of next season. Uh, Brett Brown also said this morning that Joel got uh, very positive results from a scan conducted on his foot yesterday. Uh, he was seen playing tennis. Uh, he was seen working out after a prospect workout uh, this past week. And uh, it's said that he'll start playing to him too soon. Uh, Mike, when is the likelihood we actually see him back playing five-on-five in uh, any capacity? You know, I would have bet that the earliest that we would have seen him was at the start of next season Uh, uh, with the previous regime. I really thought that that was, you know, just like I I didn't think there, there was any other possibility. But honestly, now with, you know, the Colangelo's in charge, the the kind of motion from the ownership to put, you know, put a product out there and inspire the fan base. I would and combined with probably how eager he is to get out on the floor, I, you know, I would not be absolutely shocked to see him out in summer league this year. I really wouldn't, uh, whether it be they would just release the, uh, the Utah, the uh, schedule for the Utah summer league, which I think the first game is July 3rd whether it be that or mm-hmm. a couple weeks later in, in Vegas, in a, you know, the third week in Vegas, the Vegas Summer League, I wouldn't be shocked to see him play, you know, not a lot of minutes and not all the games, but, you know, a couple, you know, maybe a, a two games, a 10 or 15-minute run just to, you know, get him out there in a legit 5-on-5 uh, setting. I, I wouldn't be shocked. At the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, they kept him on the shelf and under wraps until next season. But, you know, it's just exciting because it really – it seems, you know, knock on wood right now that, you know, all <laughs> really pointing pointing to the fact that he really might, you know, finally be ready. He's in great shape. You know, you, you can see it, uh, you know, anytime if you see the highlights of him or, if, you know, you've been around PCOM, he, he's, he looks to be, like, in, in excellent shape. He's, uh, you know, upped his activity. He seems, uh, you know, based, it's based off his tweets last night. Uh, you know, I don't think if – if he didn't feel like he was basically ready or at the cusp of being ready to really contribute, that he'd be so, uh, you know, confident tweeting out multiple times that, you know, he'll be, he'll be ready to roll next year and that the team, you know, look out and all that. It just seems, and, you know, like you mentioned, Brett Brown said that the team just got, you know, excellent news regarding his late, latest prognosis. Uh, you know, it just seems like right now everything is trending toward him uh, being good to go which is, you know, it's so exciting when you combine it with the fact that there's, you know, he was, he was really the, the consensus pick in that, in that 14 draft, which was, you know, a couple of years ago was talked about like it was a be all end all for the Sixers at the time. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you and I covered it obviously in depth. Um, and if you remember up until the injury issue surfaced, you know, almost all mock drafts had, him going number one to the Cleveland Cavaliers mm-hmm. and, you know, Wiggins and, and Wiggins and Parker following suit. So, I mean, talent-wise, you're basically adding a, a, a number one overall pick, a franchise caliber player to the roster this summer, in addition to an actual number one pick, a franchise caliber player. 
So, uh, you know, that, that aspect in and of itself has to be really exciting for Sixers fans, whether it be, you know, at, at Summer League or, um, you know, at the start of next season. Obviously, just the most important is that he, you know, is ready to go and healthy. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's at this point with the, the Colangelos, it's, I think it's, it's really hard to predict their, you know, where, the, where their mindset's at. I think, it, you know, we kind of started to get a feel for, the Hinky regime, and it was obvious that he was in no rush for, you know, any of his players to, you know, step out on the court at, at any time that wasn't necessary. Um, and, you know, we just don't necessarily know if that's going to be the exact same pattern that's followed by the Colangelos or if they're more of a, you know, a show-and-prove type thing where if he says he's ready to go and the doctors say he's ready to go, that they'll want him out there at Summer League. But, uh, you know, either way, the prospect of seeing him in a Sixers jersey in the next, you know, few months is pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, I was excited to wear his jersey last night for sure. Uh, so hopefully he got some chance to actually wear it on the court. Um, but yeah, last uh, last topic here. Um, I mean, I was highly entertained, but between Dikembe Mutombo and jo- Joel Embiid, uh, just how hilarious was uh, you know the draft lottery night last night. Man, Twitter Twitter is great, man. It, it's really just revolutionizing the entire sporting experience. Like, it, it just adds such an element to everything. The whole – that's the Kemi Matumbo situation is, is hilarious because, you know, there's – in all likelihood, it, it was a mistake. But considering, like, you know, all the years of rumors and speculation <laughs> about about the NBA draft lottery being rigged, the fact that he tweeted that out, and then, of course, the Sixers go on to actually get the first pick. I mean, you, considering that, you can't even help, but, you know, you, you can't blame, like, the, the conspiracy theorists for, you know, scratching their head a little bit. Uh, no one in Philadelphia is complaining, obviously. But uh, it's just – and the fact that it's Dikembe, too, you know, such a, you know, such a lighthearted guy that's, you know, really such – you know, just a genuine guy that does – yeah, like, the, the hilarious, like, no, no, no. But like and the fact that he's such a good he's a, such a good genuine guy too you know he does he's donated more than like half of his salary to the Congo like if he was like involved like if he did know something he certainly didn't want to mess it up for like the league and the Sixers obviously like he he made a mistake so it was just you know that just added a whole nother as if like the the draft lottery night wasn't you know dramatic and exciting enough that that whole aspect of it added another uh, you know another dimension to it and then of course Embiid commentary throughout the whole evening it, it was great to see him back in full force you know it was almost like 2014 all over again <laughs> uh you know obviously i think everyone's favorite tweet was him saying that he was going to uh you know celebrate the number one pick with a with a pitcher shirley temples uh <laughs> you know it's funny to see you know it's great to see that he still has his spirit you know with him and his, his attitude and you know his lightheartedness after two years on the shelf yeah, I mean, I thought it was great with kind of the doc references from Back to the Future and Dikembe Mutombo. Um, and a lot of people were saying, you know, with his busy schedule, maybe he thought, you know, a day had passed and the lottery had already happened, which is why he sent out the, the tweet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, once again, this was the 76ers report. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Kasky blamain and uh, the number one pick is ours, finally. The next month should be very fun, you know, talking the draft. Um, we'll be sure to have a couple draft experts on, you know, in the coming weeks to talk more in depth about that. And, uh, Mike, we can finally breathe a sigh of relief here. Um, but, yeah, most uh, definitely, you know, enjoy your weekend. 
this is a great time to be a Sixers fan, and uh, you know we're we're both really excited here. Yeah, now we get a, a month's worth of speculation about what they should do with the pick. <laughs> exactly. All right, catch everyone later. Man, it was real cool in school If we got good grades, I trade up A's The parents would take us to a 76 game I got my game and there ain't no shame Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone Julius Serva called Philly is home Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony sinking freeze Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly But if you want to make it on time to the show There's only one role that you really have to know So get to Fishtown without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95 Wanna get downtown but fit in the fix Get on that road, they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of business they've ever made. The fellas ain't famous, but they got your game. Get on, get on, 76ers.